sometimes you may hear her. Um, so apologies for that. Uh, you know, it's a recording podcast uh, during pandemic situation, kind of. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's it's hard enough, and I, I don't know, I don't know how parents are doing it. So hats off. Yes, yes, uh, we're all doing it. Parents, not parents. We are all parents, by the way. I heard that somewhere, and I and I believe that strongly. We are parenting our businesses, you know, projects, dogs, pets, right? Anyway, welcome, Andy Swindler. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so my podcast. Um, I was really looking forward, and thank you for for agreeing to and finding time to speak to me. I was really excited to talk to you um, uh, and uh, about all your um, interesting contests and and, um, better world building projects you're working on, especially Fuel Real. Um, one of my uh, favorite startups and platform lately, um, you founded and co-founded with my friend Rachel, and I already had we had Rachel here, but um, but I was really wanted to uh, talk to you also because you're doing so many great things. So, uh, but before we jump in to what you are doing, um, I always like to um, you know, as a true introvert who doesn't like to speak talk about weather. I like to go deep in the past <laughs> with my questions. So I always like to ask about um, my guest about childhood experience, like a formative childhood experience, something that affected you positively, hopefully, but maybe, you know, in some, it was a negative experience. You never know, because I found it that it's, you know, our childhoods um, carry so much treasures for us. And it, it's a really interesting thing. And each time I ask it, we found we, I find so many interesting things about my uh, my guests. So I would love to hear what was it for you in your childhood that kind of shaped you, formed you, or maybe informed your present. Thank you. Oh, I love that question. Um, among the the various twists and turns I've taken. Uh, <laughs> About four years ago, I, I really went deep into purpose coaching and consciousness work. And <clears throat> as you may know, a lot of that work is related to going back to childhood. Yes. So the one that comes to mind in this moment uh, is I spent my eighth grade year yeah. um, in Salt Lake City, Utah. I, I grew up in a small town in Missouri called Fulton. So about 10,000 people. And then so moving to Salt Lake was a, a big city experience for me. <clears throat> um, my parents were both teachers. And so my dad was on a sabbatical as a, as a philosophy professor. Uh, and so we knew we were coming back to Missouri. So it, it, it already had this kind of temporary sensation to it, which, which made it a little odd. It made it almost feel like an extended vacation, but it was, but I was in school. And so there was an odd, like, should I make friends? Should I not? And yeah, and, and it's not enough time. You know, I, I had made really good friends in 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 my hometown, and I, I had a good school experience. You know, pretty much all the way through, all the way to the end of high school. So it was it was very disruptive to suddenly be in an environment where the school was much larger. The school in Salt Lake City was about eight hundred students, which was twice as big as my high school back in Fulton. <laughs> so <clears throat> just. Big school, uh, uh, big city, you know, so, so, you know, being by the mountains, which my family loves. So it, it, there were all of these amazing, expansive components to it. Um, I'm a musician. So, you know, we even made a decision to buy a keyboard instead of rent a piano. So I got into electronic music. Um, you know, it, that's 
because of the the way the orchestra uh, was set up, um, yeah. I got exposure to as a drummer playing the trap set for the first time. Uh, I, I got accelerated because their science program was was ahead of the one I was used to. So there there were all of these check boxes of like, oh my, oh my God, like you know, I got exposed to so many things and expanded in so many ways. And at the same time, I was extremely lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was bullied. Uh, you know, I was, I was, I kind of finally found the, the, the outcasts and the geeks, you know, and that's yeah. kind of who I hang with. And, uh, so it was very formative and I've done work, you know, I do a lot of men's work and actually was, you know, looking into my relationship with anger. And I realized part of that was, was related to that, that year and being bullied and all sorts of things. So, um, that was an extremely formative experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so interesting because, you know, sometimes there are positive things that are coming out, but sometimes there are, like you said, maybe anger or some memories that you have to, as an adult, go back and revisit and, and connect the dots. Right. Because we, we tend to carry it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so let's come back to now. And, um, I would love to hear from you about feel real. I, um, you know, like I mentioned, I talked to Rachel before, but I would love to, you know, you as a founder, I would love to know your why and really how, how this idea came about. Cause I always, I'm always fascinated, you know, people are, uh, you know, I think, I feel like there's no greater, greater inspiration that for us like each other right people and I always am fascinated how people are coming up with ideas great ideas like that so what is your why and like how how you came up with it sure so my my personal why is to unify humanity and I do that by bringing hearts together Mm -hmm. and I believe we're all connected. I believe that there is a space we can get to where we will find that connection. Um, and I truly believe that if there was more hate in the world than love, then we wouldn't still be here right now. You know, so I, I think there's a lot of unspoken, unseen forces that that keep us together and keep us going. Um, and there's a lot of unseen forces that I think were born out of in some cases, hate or even just neglect in terms of how the systems are built. And there seems to be a, a, a tendency to sort of say, well, the system is what it is, you know, uh, just kind of accept that. And, and that relates yeah. to a lot of my, my work with in equity. And I don't accept that. I think, well, we invented all these systems. We can change them. We can update them. And so the first step is to even get in the same space to, that we can even look at it and address it in, in any way and we don't have to agree in fact i don't think we will or i don't think that's the goal or we we do look at things from different perspectives and i think we need to bring find ways to bring different perspectives in um but i think in a lot of cases we're not we're not even getting in the same room we're not even finding any any sort of common ground um so the 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 why of feel real is to build a just and sustainable world by holding space for the magic of human connection. Oh my God, I um, love I love the even your mission. I was uh, I was reading it initially, and I was like, uh, you know, sometimes we complicate things, and when we say something simply and emotionally, and are not scared of using big words, you know, it's it's uh, it gets so much. Uh, you can connect to it so much better, right? And and it's uh, so much more beautiful. Anyway, sorry. 
<laughs> Thank you. It's funny you say that because uh, there's there's four of us, uh, four co-founders, and two of us especially, I think, lean into the big word space. And I think subconsciously that's because it's it's a way to actually build distance. So you know, we're we're all about intimacy and vulnerability, and you know that doesn't mean that we're always good at it. You know, it's it's like yeah. there's going to be things that that guess what? You know, I'm, I'm afraid sometimes. And part of love and part of feeling real is accepting all the emotions and, and not making them wrong and, and realizing they're all just sending messages that this is all just energy and they're sending us messages. Um, now that's not to say that, that people, especially due to systemic inequity that are living in fear and, and, and absolutely just heightened states of trauma, like almost hundred percent of the time, uh, that's not what I mean when I say, oh, we should just kind of accept all the emotions people are having. You know, I don't think that's an acceptable yeah. way to way way to treat people. And it happens all the time. And it's been exaggerated in COVID. And um, we don't have to look too far to find that. But I think people are resisting that because there's a tendency to, you know, and I, I get this too. You know, I'm a, a straight, white, cisgendered man in America, you know, and I'm very aware of my privileges. And you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to look at. It's been a long journey to, to, to do that. And I, I wrote a piece called grieving the loss of my worldview a few years ago, because mm -hmm. that's what it feels like. It feels like, wow. Like I, I so desperately want to cling to the world. I thought I knew. And, and the more, the more I sort of peel it back, it's like, Oh, wow. And that's just a hard journey for anybody to go on. And it's necessary. And there's this, there's this paradox of like, well, we got to hold space for that journey yeah. without re-traumatizing the people who are, who are most deeply um, affected by it. So that's a lot of our mission. Um, for me, this came in a dream in 2007. I saw a vision in a dream. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur and a technologist for 20 years. And that was a fascinating year. It, it, there was something energetically about social technology happening. It's, you know, you know, yeah. Twitter, Twitter blew up, Facebook went beyond college campuses, Foursquare came out, the iPhone came out. And then in November, um, I had this incredibly powerful vision and I woke up and I was kind of surprised by it because I really didn't have any vocabulary at that time for, you know, consciousness work. But I, I got seven pieces of paper and I just wrote this thing out. I was like, okay, what do I do with it? <laughs> and it, yeah. and it, took, it would take another 12 years for that to find where it wanted to be. And I, I look at it now like a compass. It, it helps guide me to the other people who have received pieces of this same download. Um, people like, like Rachel, of course, and, and one of my other co-founders, Susan Lucci, who's been holding circles for 10 years. And the, and the numerous other people we love to call space holders, you know, who, who are the people who can help us, who can build energetic containers so that we can meet each other at the heart. We can actually find the space in the middle and that we can, you know, come in with our differences and, and reconcile that in, in some way. And, and I think build the future. Hopefully we all want to share together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, I love that part about the dream, you know, because, <laughs> because um, it's like such a beautiful story. I feel like, you know, we, we use, and we know really maybe 10, 15% of our brain and there is so much more going on and sometimes stuff come up and we don't like to admit it because it may sound weird, <laughs> 
but that those things happen. I want to know what this dream like exactly looked like, honestly. <laughs> Can you share that? Do you remember what was like exactly the dream? Or it was just like this, just like energy and like you got up and there was just this spark of thoughts. Uh, that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. Um, I can show you what I wrote down. <laughs> Did you say uh, it? Oh my God, I love it. I hope you... You've, oh, you've it's in a file folder right it. here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I do imagine someday we'll have the Feel Real, you know, corporate headquarters and uh, and it'll be in the lobby, you know, it'll be like the, <laughs> yes. some of the foundational documents. Um, you know, I think it's the nature of dream work that we don't tend to remember it. So I have a practice now for the last, I don't know, three years for dream journaling and I hold it very lightly, you know, because I don't want to slip into some kind of judgment. I'm like, oh, I forgot that dream or anything like that. Um, but it, it is really fascinating how quickly the, the conscious mind and the conscious awareness yeah. kind of wants to take over. <clears throat> and I think in some cases, actually sweep some of that away. Sort of like, yeah. oh, oh, don't worry about that. Don't, you know, that, that we're, we're back to we're back to this this frame of life. And, and don't worry about that dream stuff, you know, here. I mean, it's fascinating. I think some people hold dreams as as the actual heightened reality, and that that our lives, uh, <laughs> this this sort of conscious life, as we tend to call it, is um, in service of the dreams, like in service of the dream world, um, yeah. or, or in the context of the four agreements that well, we're actually always dreaming. And and I love yeah. I love it when spiritual consciousness work really merges with science, and I think you know, those, those are coming together more and more. And I mean, just look at like the science that, that explains how, you know, I don't know how we even assemble our, our reality and our perception. It's just, the brain is doing so much work to, to assemble what comes in from yeah. our eyes and what comes in from our ears. And, you know, it really is this assembly, you know, it's not like, it's not like there really is one version of consciousness. We're all coming at it from a totally unique perspective. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, so, you know, about going back to feel real and what you said about, you know, importance of creating a space for us, especially now, especially now in the times we are living in when it seems like we have a lot of work to do when it comes to social constructs, social dyna dynamics and, social habits um, um, and and it, it and it's the hardest work possible because it's uh, work on ourselves right like kind of going deep and and, and looking into it and I actually was uh, part of one of your gatherings guys um, after um, election after voting mm -hmm. and it was so incredibly eye-opening and that's why you know I want to bring Rachel on and you on and talk about your platform because um it for me personally if I can tell you my experience with your um with feel real it was incredibly eye-opening because a I understood how important it is to have this person who creates this safe space for a conversation uh, b how important it is to create those conversations because that will be the only way we're going to fix this um, whatever we want to fix or change or adjust, right? It's and it's so important to 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 get, gather and talk about it, right? And and be able to talk about it and voice your opinion. It was so interesting also to meet people who may not have the, hold the same views and opinions as me, and learn. I I honestly and I got chills right now. 
I honestly, during this hour meeting, I learned to listen and accept that, you know, I may be very emotional about what I believe in and what I hear from somebody else, but I still can hold this, you know, safe, uh, this, this just, um, um, space for me to have my views and um, respect the other side. And that's what I learned from it, um, which, which you know, like it, it just hit me then. I was like, oh my God, this is such an amazing experience to, to learn that because we need to learn. You know, I go online yesterday, I went to um, uh, our new president's uh, account on Instagram and I just started browsing the comments just to see the, you know, what is the, what are the voices, what people are saying? And there's just so much division, like so much hate, so much like pure still uh, hate, you know? And we don't know how to talk to each other, you know? What do you think? What do you, obviously that's the uh, mission of your, um, uh, of your platform, but you know, what are the other ways besides real and like how we can start learning to, to talk to each other, listen to each other, and accept those different views because we have right to them, right? It's it's a it's a freedom of speech, freedom of belief, and and how how we can do that? I know it's such a simple question, Andy. Please, <laughs> how we can fix the world, Andy? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, it it's funny. Sometimes I just come back to actually. I think it is quite simple. <laughs> right? Simple, but oh my not God. Yes. Yeah. Simple but not easy. It's, it's this idea of we, we just simply need to be with each other and we need to learn how to listen to each other. Learn, that, right? Mm -hmm. That feels like that feels like a pretty simple concept. Um, and I and I think this actually relates to the dream. Um, you know, what I saw a lot of things, but one of the main oh, things yeah. I saw and I, and I drew was the future of the the internet and the way we use social technology really being about convening in small group dialogues in real time. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, I, I didn't actually imagine uh, or really know much about the idea of space holding or or you know circle keeping. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's been a lot of of what I have learned about. I realized how important that is, and you know so. There's there's some platforms out there that are um, more designed for scale, like like that maybe you'll have a little a, a little guide, you know. So somebody somebody in the in the group, you know, is is meant to sort of take everybody else through through a guided prompt, um, mm -hmm. and I, I think that can work. Um, but there really are some skills that are helpful to have, uh, and some best practices about you know you know like setting the group agreements and you know how checking in. I mean, even in our our culture, I mean, we we bring as many of these practices in to every meeting if we can. You know, we check in, and and sometimes I remember there was a meeting where almost everybody checked in with some state of being just overwhelmed and just you know overworked and everything. And so we adjusted the meeting and said, okay, let's let's meditate for ten minutes. So mm -hmm. I think that's that's so much what it is. Is there that space where we can actually meet each other? Mm -hmm. And is there space where we can even meet ourselves? You know? Do we feel like we're showing up in an environment where maybe the, the train is, is already left the station and we're, we've, we're, we're spending the entire time feeling like we're catching up and we're, we're, we're not plugged in and we're not heard and we're not seen. Um, yeah. That's never gonna lead to that connection, uh, in my opinion. 
So, you know, what, what we're where we are now is the idea of, well, let's bring all of the people together who are doing these practices. Um, you know, there are some communities out there, but they tend to be associated with a body of work. Like, oh, you know, here's a certain kind of training and how to be a facilitator or hold space. And, and we're going to build a, a community around that. And that's wonderful. That's, that's huge. And yeah. we, we know a lot of those people. And, but what our mission is like, well, how do we bring all those together? You know, how do we actually play, make the meeting place for all of those different uh, environments and also cross pollinate and feed them back out? So we say, you know, we, we don't we don't want space holding to be this like mystical, um, out of reach, highly academic, you know, Ph.D. program kind of thing. Actually, the goal is a world where everybody knows how to hold space. And that in any given moment or any given interaction or any any team meeting or, or any any leadership situation or any community event. It's just absolutely normalized that we yeah. prioritize authentic relationships. Yeah. And I think your platform, what you're exactly what you're saying is it's like I said, my first um, my first gathering I participate, I learned that, you know, that it's so important to allow people, even when you said that, you know, before you meeting uh, your meetings internally, you kind of um, check in. Right. And, you know, we tend in the corporate world that where I'm coming from, say, how do you feel? But it never was truly allowing allowed to say, you know what, I have an off day and I have a right to have an off day, you know, because maybe this and this and this happened and maybe I'm not 100 percent, but it's never it, it was never normalized, I think, and what you guys doing, it's, it's so great that that it's normal to ask and, and it's a genuine question, right? Like, how do you feel and what is your state you are coming in, and which, which is really great. Um, one more thing for, um, oh, the other... Um, the other thought I had is was about the because I my favorite of your gatherings guys lately is Suzanne's uh, women's circle, um, which is such a beautiful beautiful thing and I um, I uh, I was talking to Rachel and I really want to put it out there because I think it's such a great thing for women and we also have to regroup in our little. Uh, not little, but big camp of women with and deal with some stuff. And and I think it it, it is uh, uh, what was amazing about that that gathering gathering and is and it's something that you mentioned is that Suzanne opens it uh, with and other, your other gatherings too, but with this allowance to be vulnerable. And I think when somebody sets it up this way you kind of feel this permission that you want to open up, you know, that you want to be more vulnerable than usual, right? I think it's it's crucial, right, to kind of set up, because it may sound strange to somebody at first, but it's, it's, a, it's an amazing tool to kind of set up the allowance to be, show up, right, and, and speak up your truth, yep. right? Absolutely, yeah, uh, I think it's, it, it can be contagious. Um, I think yes. it, 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 there's a kind of the word permission comes up. You know, I don't I don't think we have a culture where we have a lot of permission to be vulnerable. And as much as I'm focused on what I view as the deepest forms of marginalization uh, for black, indigenous uh, people of color and women. Um, this is one area I think we can all relate to. 
because I don't think men, I don't think white men have a lot of permission to be vulnerable either. The way so they, were, they were brought up, definitely not, right? Right. So, so maybe this could be a point of common ground, you know, like who, who really, like, what, what is this? Like, why, why do we not have this permission? And, and could we find each other through that? And the beautiful thing is, uh, as you're expressing, and I, I now have the luxury of being in so many spaces. Um, it's, that's what, that's pretty much the best part of my job is meeting space holders. And then, you know, as a, as the space holder scout, uh, I, I also get to sit in the circles and, and, and they, it's so amazing, you know, because they all have such incredibly beautiful and, and unique approaches. You know, one of the people in our ecosystem, uh, Karen Light does a doodle shop and, and it's, it's really, you know, first uh, doodling, what, 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 how, you know, how's that <laughs> going to get us to be vulnerable, but it's really, it, it's, cool. it's cool because it's really lightweight but when you doodle or sketch or journal or anything like that, you're, you're actually really accessing the subconscious. You're kind of letting, letting these things come through and then, and then we'll hold up the doodle and we'll sort of, you know, just look at each other and, and, and maybe um, say, well, if that were my doodle, you know, I, I'd be seeing this. So there, there's so many different ways that we can meet each other and come together. And, and there's so much creativity and it, coming back to vulnerability, it builds trust. I mean, that's, that's what I notice. And, and this is, is especially true in my men's group because we will, you know, if, if, if there's a moment where there, maybe there's a breach of an agreement and then a, a man really isn't, you know, gets past the defensiveness and drops into like how he's really feeling. And, and, and we'll actually ask that question. We'll say, you know, who, who in this room trusts this man more? You know, and like every hand goes up because it's when we can really see somebody's truth and their vulnerability that we tend to trust them more. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And also this idea of just uh, knowing each other, you know, I, I feel like after a few of this, uh, uh, knowing each other and knowing yourself, like I said, like I learned so many things, even with interaction and being in, in, in a circle like this, uh, you know, how to listen better, like how I react to certain things or uh, uh, whatnot, but also learn about each other, you know, and I feel like, uh, later on when you meet another person who may have a different opinion than you, right? You may not react uh, as emotionally or, um, or you know, in any negative way because you, you had experience and you understand and, and you learn that part, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's twofold. It's, it's, we're learning about, we're getting, we're getting maybe used to, we're humanizing other people, right? Every time, yeah. every time we can really get into a level of intimacy, I mean, it is, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's human nature to, to sort of categorize and filter the world. Yes, it's and, easy. And, it's easy, that, safe, yeah. It's just bias. And that's yeah. that's how we make sense. You know, we're, we're, we have limited bandwidth, you know, and we have to label the world to make sense of it and to get through. Now, the, where that becomes a problem is when we, you know, label a human being as we might a mailbox. And then we decide, oh, that human being, you know, it's like, well, I kind of know how mailboxes function and I've used enough of them and I kind of get that. And okay, whatever. And I'm like, oh, oh, that human being kind of matches this, this pattern yeah. of, of a human that looks like them. And okay, I kind of get that. It's like, no, you don't. You don't really know anything about them or their lives, <laughs> what's going on. And we don't, when we don't have space, we don't have the opportunity to, to know people in that way. Um, you know, and it's wonderful to be one-on-one -on -one like we are here, but it also exists in the in the capacity of a circle and especially with with a gifted space holder like you were saying like with susan 
or, or any of the space holders on our network where they, yeah, there's just this amazing capacity to maintain that field of intimacy within within the whole context of the circle. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, I, I I tell all my friends about you and uh, the feel in, in a sense of feel real and and I would so recommend for everybody to even try it once to do because it's such a beautiful le learning experience and uh, like I said about yourself but also others. So where do you see what is what is your vision with feel real? Like what is your north star? If you want to share it, because maybe you don't, maybe you want to be, <laughs> you want to keep it to yourself. But you know, you 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 dreamed this idea, you brought it to life, which is amazing. And then you know, where do you want it to go? Yeah, thank you. Well, I mentioned this earlier. Um, you know, this idea that authentic relationships becomes the highest priority for humanity. Yeah. And and that's we're pretty upside down on that right now. That's that's yeah. not how we we don't prioritize and that and that doesn't doesn't just mean human relationships. I mean that's relationships with ourselves, that's relationships with each other, that's relationship with the earth that supports us. Disconnected, you know, we, superficial. Yeah. Right. You know, and so there's a lot that's a simple statement, but there's a lot to that and we have a long, long way to go. And we're not gonna do it alone. This isn't about feel real, you know, saving the world. This is about, you know, okay, we're we're a hub, you know, we're we're a, a node in a in a network where there are many, many other people doing things and many other pieces yeah. of the network and many hubs. And how can we then be a conduit that um, enables, you know, space holders and you know, part of it is really building economic value around this. Um, you know, even though, I mean, if, if we go far enough out, you know, like, yeah, I, I can envision a post-capitalist world and all sorts of things. Um, and at the same time, I'm, I'm part of conscious capitalism. So it's how, how do we do the best with the system we have right now, uh, even though that it was born out of uh, some pretty, pretty vile elements like slavery in America. Um, and so there are a lot of elements to that. You know, how can we actually build a benefit corporation that is a truly collaborative system that, that is a shared ownership model that is you know doing everything we possibly can to bring the energy um, to build systems that actually represent the energy that we want to bring to the world and how can we empower space holders to thrive economically this is we associate this i mean it's good timing you know with international women's day and women's history month you know, we associate the idea of holding space as a form of emotional labor, which is typically associated with feminine labor, which is typically not compensated or undercompensated. We could look at numerous metrics to support that. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a big part of our mission is to say, hey, look, you know, because I think the more we learn to value things that that mm -hmm. we can't really see, yeah, that are a little harder to explain. Uh, those are actually a lot of the most important things. And, and I think we still are at a stage in, in the human development where we, we're, we're really prioritizing things we can see and touch and feel and that get us excited and, and you know, and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying that's all bad. I'm saying it's a balance. How do we how do we elevate you know, the idea of holding yeah. space? Um, and one other thing I'll weave in is this little story. Uh, there's two two huge concepts for us. You know, one is mutual aid and the other is restorative justice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mutual aid basically boils down to how do we take care of each other? 
neighbors right. helping neighbors. And I've gotten really involved with the mutual aid networks in Chicago that have just really ex expanded quite a bit during COVID. And it's, it's extraordinary. It, it's just, I love participating in it because it's just, it really is just, just a network of love. You know, it's not even, there really isn't even an organization. It's just a bunch of people, you know, um, organizing themselves. And then just this two days ago, just um, Tuesday, I, I joined, I realized that there's a court in Avondale that is allowing some people who have been arrested um, to choose a path of restorative justice as an alternative to the typical punitive court systems that are I, one of the most horrid things I think about America is our incarceration rate. It is, right. it is the highest in the world. And anyway, I could talk a long time about that. But I really think there's a little glimmer of hope because there's a number of these experiments where there's a legal alternative where you can sit in circle with somebody, build relationships, and then they can do a repair of harm agreement that actually would replace like a sentence being handed down by a judge. And so it, it, it bypasses a ton of like a sort of authoritarianism and hierarchy and, you know, punitive justice, uh, a little bit of a contrary term, actually, I don't know if punitive justice is a thing, but moving into this idea of restorative justice is how, how can we take care of each other in the spirit of community? So I'm invited, not even as a circle keeper or anything like that, but simply as a member of the community. So I'm sitting there with the, the woman who got arrested and the and the police officer and the circle keeper and a, and a few other people. And we're going to sit in several circles together. It, it, we didn't even get that far. I mean, there's a big part of this practice that that is, as Peter Block said a couple weeks ago, it's extraordinarily inconvenient. It takes yeah. time to build relationships. And so yeah. it's going to be several sessions where we're, you know, we were asking questions like, uh, if you had a superpower, what would it be? And, you know, what's a moment in your life that you regret? And, you know, so, so going back to vulnerability, right? So here yeah. we are. Technically, this is still the jurisdiction of a court of law, but we're sitting here sharing some of our most vulnerable secrets together because it is a confidential space. And then the final step is going to be the woman who was arrested coming up with her own path through this. So there's a huge element of uh, agency and dignity and community support and love. And I, it's just, it's really alive for me because I just had the first circle and I, I just, to me, that's the future I want to live in. Yes. So basically, hold on, hold on, because I never heard of it. So basically, you sit in the circle, like you said, mention the arrested person, woman, the policeman, and the, the goal of it um, is um, is for for the, uh, to resolve the situation, right? Right? Am I yep. right? Right? Yes. Okay. In the preparation of any punishment or, uh, or. So there's, there's something. Or, right. And then yeah. it goes back to judge and judge, uh, let's say this woman, uh, whatever the person that um, was arrested come up with, like, I think I should do this and this. And then you go back to the judge and say, this is our, this is what we came up with. And is that how it works? I think so. I'm still learning a bit about the process, but yeah, it does kind of tie back in to, to the formal system uh, so for accountability, you know, and, and it is, a, it is a serious accountability process and, and people will, it's not just like, okay, great. You're, you're free. Yeah, 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 we'll, we'll yeah, trust yeah. that you'll do that. Um, 
but I think the difference is, you know, instead of some judge sitting, I mean, think about even the way a courtroom is structured where the judge is sitting up there and, you know, the, there's this authoritarian, you know, kind of quality to it. Um, you know, and, and it's not about, I think that sometimes people confuse this work with being sort of soft and, and I don't know, gushy or something like yeah. that. No, what I, I already saw it happening within the, the woman that, that she, that she was like, I, it, she just, I don't know, felt, felt like part of this community felt like she was seen. felt like, and I, I could already start to, to sense um, some pieces that were like, that, that, that she was seeing what had happened in a different light and, and things like that. So I, I think to me, that's completely different than the idea of walking, into, walking into a courtroom Sit, waiting, sitting there in the pews, waiting for your turn. I've, and I've been there, actually. I've been arrested. And so I could relate to some of this. And and uh, just just being, you know, totally terrified and then just waiting, hoping, hoping, you know, waiting for your sentence and then just getting that and then just, you know, being sent on your way. It's just, it's a radically different uh, process. And I think one of the things that's important is that with any kind of radically new process that, that we don't... Um, that we really give it, we, we, we have some patience with it. We don't expect results overnight. And, you know, if something is bumpy or something even goes, goes poorly, that we don't just throw it all out and say, well, that didn't work. That we say, no, we're gonna, we're gonna stick with this because we believe it can work. Yeah. It's so interesting that you said that because I just finished a new uh, book from Adam Grant. He's a corporate psychologist and he wrote this book about the uh, rethink uh, of course, I don't remember full title. I'm sorry, my short memory is awful. But there, there's this idea of that we are living in times that um, we have to learn and have a brain of scientists. You know, we have to go try things and don't expect result, like you said, right away, but come with this attitude okay, I don't expect results. Uh, let's try this, see when it works, and then we'll adjust and uh, adjust further and see where we can go. As of now, and you know, I feel like it's human nature to have, we like to have response. We have to like structures because that's easy when we are organized, right? Even like with what we were talking before with segregating in our head people in certain groups right um and and this idea of uh approaching thing with the scientist mind right let's try it let's see if it works let's adjust i think no uh, it's a hard thing to do you know because it's a living in a constant change <laughs> we don't we are not comfortable with it right all of us, I think it's it's also something we can learn. Oh my God, we have amazing times to live in. I have to say, <laughs> that's scary too. Yeah, I, I think both. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Change is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So tell me about uh, conscious capitalism because I know that this is another thing you are involved with, and I know I don't know. I hopefully Zoom is not going to cut us off. I don't no, know. I, I, yeah. Um, we can, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what you want to do about that um, or how long we should go. But uh, as far as conscious capitalism, um, you know, it's a movement that was started, I don't know, something like 15 years ago. Uh, it was born out of Whole Foods uh, originally um, and, and a few other CEOs of conscious businesses, um, which, which has cast a pretty interesting light on it, given that Whole Foods was bought by Amazon and 
Uh, I don't personally consider Amazon to be a terribly conscious company. And I'm, you know, there are four pillars. So higher purpose, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, there needs to be a higher purpose, a focus beyond just making money. Um, and at the same time, like honoring that we need money, like that right. we, need, we need resources. I mean, maybe, right. we won't, maybe someday we won't call it money, but you know, every, every system, every, every organism needs resources of some kind. Um, and then higher um, uh, conscious leadership. And so that's the idea of just like so much of what we're talking about, I think basically does fall in the category of conscious leadership and learning, learning about ourselves and our, our own triggers and our emotional yeah. resilience and all these, all that good stuff. And then conscious culture. So this is the idea of, of a lot of the concepts really that, that I mentioned, you know, how, how do we, you know, how do we function together? How do we really, um, is it a culture of inclusion, culture of belonging? This relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Um, and that's that's a big focus of, of ours as well is like how can these circle practices actually carry on a lot of diversity equity, and inclusion work which unfortunately a lot of it is really just a checkbox right now um that it, that it's not uh, an ongoing conversation it's it's maybe a one-time yeah. training or something like that um and then uh finally stakeholder orientation so this means yeah, are we really considering all of the stakeholders in our ecosystem, you know, all the way down to like the community and the environment, uh, which are not often considered in organizations. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful peer network. It's a, it's a, it's a big community. I mean, it has introduced me to so many people and so many practices that I've felt like I've gotten like a master's degree in conscious capitalism. Um, you know, and it's important to, to know that it, it doesn't hold all the answers. You know, like sometimes it's criticized um, and it should be, you know, it should be scrutinized and criticized like anything else. Um, and the criticisms usually to me kind of kind of sound like, well, it's a fallacy or, or it doesn't have all the answers or or they'll point out one example where something wasn't, you know, terribly conscious. And I'll say, well, OK, that all of that can be true. And we can still realize that this is like a peer network where we get together to talk about those exact things. <laughs> so, yeah, right. You know, okay. Yeah, again, kind of not a final. It's a it's an old journey, work in progress, and and yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But it's, but it's really exciting to be in Chicago because we're one of the oldest chapters, and uh -huh. second second oldest actually after Australia, and uh, and by that. It's, I'm just so lucky to be here and be on the leadership team because I'm, I, like I said, it's introduced me to so many practices that, that guide me. In fact, um, the current chair of, of the chapter is is the woman I learned mindfulness from um, about five and a half years ago. So yeah. yeah, it's been a huge part of my journey. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, yeah, for me, it's fascinating how we can bridge this idea of um, you know, that, that we can make money and really create projects and companies that are really doing good things in the world. And it doesn't have to be um, something that cannot go along, right? Uh, and, you know, I always say that we make so many products and so many things in this world now that are not good and people are paying and there's a lot of money behind it. Why they cannot be um, a lot of money behind something that really improves it, but I think it's a it's a mind shift that we are all hopefully working on, and and I, I strongly believe that um, that it will happen that people will be, you know, uh, and already 
our customers, right? Like looking at uh, all the data I'm I'm interested in looking into that people are, 70% of people are more uh, likely to buy something if it has this um, conscious and social responsibility aspect behind it because they want to be a part of it. They want to help further and they want their dollars to be stretched, not only of what am I getting for it, but is there anything else that my dollar can do with whatever I purchase. So yeah, I, I feel like we are on the good path. <laughs> I, I think you're right. There's lots of trends, consumer behavior, uh, the investment world, a lot of in the investment yeah. world, even down to like retirement investments, moving into ESGs and all sorts of things like that. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're a benefit corporation. So the, the B Corp movement is uh, is really cool. And they, they have an assessment tool that really helps a business understand like really how, how what their impact truly is. Wait, are you guys like a B Corp or you're not? Is we're a we're a legal benefit corporation. We are not yet a certified B Corp. And that's okay. a little bit of a confusing thing, but the the certified B Corp is the assessment. Yeah. Um and, and we're not we're not there yet. Like okay, got it. it's it's a it's it's a good thing that it's actually not trivial <laughs> to become certified because you want it to be a certain yeah, threshold, like right? You want it to be meaningful. And one thing they did in the assessment was they attached that to the UN's Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. So now you can actually see this thing I do in my business is actually lining up with this goal uh, for the world, this impact at a global scale. And that's that's really cool because I think that's one of the hardest things to know is what is my behavior as a human being? One of eight billion. <laughs> like, how am I? How is my? How is my decision today impacting the world? I think that's a generally a hard thing to know. Um, and then, how is my impact as a business actually scaling up yeah. into that? So it's good that we're having more tools for that. Yeah, totally. And and also from the perspective of showing people that your decisions matter and they are actually even like your platform. You have a voice, right? You have a wisdom. You have choice. And and that choice matter, right? I feel like that's also showing people that they have power, like individual power, which I feel sometimes when we look at bigger problems, we tend to see and think, what can I do about it? It doesn't matter if I will do this and this because, you know, look at the pollution, right? What a, but it does matter because uh, the more people do one thing, right? It can, it can collectively improve. Just Absolutely. to make it a, put a simple way. Um, Andy, another one question that I like to ask <laughs> um, is, um, uh, as we are com coming a little bit to conclusion here, is there anything um, that inspires you or a gadget or something that you use daily or a practice maybe or a book um, that you would like to share? Because again, I feel like, uh, Isham, I guess, just brings such an interesting things uh, in uh, in that area. Something that that it's you know maybe help help you run your business and all the other ventures you are a part of it. Like anything, anything that pops into your mind. Yeah, um, the first one that comes to my mind is my meditation app. Uh, I use Insight Timer. Uh -huh. uh, I like it. I usually just sit in silent meditation. So I first got it because it's just, it's just a really straight, if you just need a timer, you know, it's nice. And it actually tracks, you know, how many days you've done it. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's, 
kind of nice uh, just to have a little extra reinforcement. But it also has this massive library. I think it's the biggest free library of meditations, plus they have live guides and all sorts of things. It's a, it's a beautiful app um, and an ecosystem. Um, but there's several others. There, there, there are a number of really good ones, um, you know, like Calm and Headspace are, are pretty major players, you know. So I, I, I really do think that, um, again, you know, I hesitated a little because it's like, oh, breathing and meditation, yeah, whatever. And it's like, no, no, they're, you know, they really are these core practices. You know, that, oh, that my God. It's, it's like. It's easy. I, I keep wanting to imagine something beyond it or, or, you know, but it's like, actually, no, that a lot of this work is really not imagining something fancier or better or faster. It's, it's going back to the simplest practice, my breath, sitting in circle together, being together and practicing that over and over and over and actually sinking into that and, and doing that. That's the practice and that's the work. And I, I, I think if, if, um, if somebody doesn't have a mindfulness practice, um, yeah. You know, I took a formal training with mindfulness-based stress reduction, which was John Kabat-Zinn's program, uh, which is wonderful. But I also think, you know, this is so cool where where technology and and consciousness are emerging. There's all sorts of yeah. really cool cool technology that can measure, you know, our our brain waves and our heart, and you know, and and just give us a little bit of a guidance. And and I think that's especially perhaps ironic or or powerful given how much technology is also shredding our consciousness and our, in our attention. You know, I, I'll admit I'm addicted to my phone. It's, it's, it's absurd. You know, I'll reach for it and I'll be like, why am I holding this? Why am I looking at this? <laughs> Where <laughs> so, am I? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. It's so bizarre. So hopefully that, that, you know, that's one of the reasons we focus on, you know, online convening and circling is like, Oh, well let's, let's not like make all technology wrong. Let's see how we can actually, um, adjust and, and evolve our relationship with technology for good. Yeah. 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 I think such a, I think you're making such an important point. Hey, uh, inside timer is amazing. Uh, I'm using it actually too. Um, and I'm going to link it below. Uh, but, um, and now I forgot what I wanted to say, but that's okay. <laughs> there was something that popped when you were saying, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, mindful first practice. I agree with you. It's something that changed my life, and and it, it's there's so many answers that we have within us. Oh, that's what I want to say. You know that I personally I look for answers in so many ways outside. And when I started meditating and 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 pra and practicing uh, meditation, I just discovered that there's so many answers we we do have within us. You know, we don't have to go anywhere else for them. So thanks for sharing that. I'll definitely link that. Um, and is there that's, any... Just yeah. briefly on that, I mean, that, that's really the cornerstone of the, the purpose work that I did and even getting multiple certifications. And, and that's all, that's what it boils down to is can we connect to intuition? Can we connect to our hearts? Can we connect to what, what in that practice we call trusted source? Um, that's exactly it. Can we, can we learn to listen First of all, hear that voice compared to all the other voices in our head. And then can we trust it? Can we actually learn to, to trust it? And, and it's our choice. You know, I hold that it's our choice. Some people want to blindly trust that and say, whatever that voice says, whatever God tells me, et cetera, that's, I'm going to follow that and that's fine. Um, I'm a little more in the, um, in the middle space of, well, I'm going to, Weigh my options. I, I usually I usually trust it, but uh, but I, I am going to weigh that yeah with other with other considerations. Yeah, you never. It feels like you never should go to the either extreme, right? You can't just base everything on your intuition hints, right? There is a reality. You 
uh, you work with, but yeah, but that's a great point. So Andy, is there anything that is happening on Ferial? Um, you mentioned there is a men's circle, anything, any events or any gatherings that you want to highlight or there's something interesting um, that you want to tell us about? Yeah, uh, and it's actually, it's funny, I, I should have made that more clear. The men's circle is, I'm, I'm involved with a group called Mankind Project, so that's actually not on Feel Real, but that's a good point of inspiration. Maybe I should have a, maybe I should launch a men's circle to complement Susan's women's circle. Um, there's there's a lot happening uh, tonight. I, I, uh, actually, uh, there in the, every three weeks. So I know I don't know when this podcast will be published. Uh, there's a, a gathering called um, uh, Beyond the Protest or After the Protest. What now? Led by uh, Rochelle Zola, and it's it's really you know a lot of our um, passion is around racial justice, and you know she's a very gifted uh, uh, circle keeper. And, and it's one of our most diverse gatherings. She's really cultivated a community where people come together from all kinds of different backgrounds, you know, uh, and, and talk about, you know, how, how can we build this world together and, and how can we look at the realities of what's happening and the disparities and all of it. Um, so that's a, that's a good one. Uh, the doodle shop I mentioned from Karen Light, that happens every uh, every other week. So interesting. This yeah. is, like I literally am going to look it up because this this sounds fascinating to me because there is something in it. You know, the other day I was uh, in this group on Zoom that we were just working together. You know, because people cannot be in the offices, so it's kind of like a motivational uh, forty five minutes that you are on Zoom. You can even ask sometimes and chat something if you need, but the purpose is to work together. And it's such an interesting concept that it was really like motiva motivating and interesting. And I felt like I have somebody to bounce things off. But this one is even more <laughs> to bounce no, it's, together. It's, it's super fun. Um, and then we we also have, a, it's it's interesting. There's three three gatherings I can think of that I'm not invited to. And I absolutely love that. Uh, so with the Women's Circle is one, because I do not identify as a woman. Um, there's another one for women of color specifically led by um, Reverend Patricia uh, Philippe. And this is a really beautiful one. It's happening this Saturday. It happens every other week. And uh, this is this is a writing space. This is like a writing and journaling space um, specifically for that um, audience. And then there's a there's a BIPOC gathering led by one of my other co-founders, Ryan Bell, uh, and two other um, uh, uh, women. And that happens. That's happening next Wednesday evening. Um, and that is, that's a really extraordinary space. Um, I helped, it, it actually sort of um, emerged from another gathering, and I'm not going to tell that whole story, but I was involved in, in some of the incubation and design. And then I felt like I was in, like on the runway crew at an airport. And I'm like, okay, you're third for landing. And <laughs> I absolutely love it because there, there are times, I mean, we're, look, we're still in the mess of all this stuff and all this trauma. And there are times where we, we need to be with people you know, that share our identities and that share our affinities and that, you know, are never going to hundred percent. I truly believe no, no two people ever will 100% know each other's experiences. That's human nature. And yeah, if, if we have a few shared identities, I bet we can, I bet we're going to be closer and, and, and there's going to be less, I think in many cases, less chance for harm because the, the more disparity there is, the more we have zero exposure to another group or, or the more we've absorbed messages of, from, you know, God knows where about what that group's all about. E even just asking questions, uh, you know, for example, if, a, if as a white person, if a, if, a, if a white man asks a question, even if it's coming from a place of, of kind of, you know, innocence or ignorance, you know, um, 
if that question is posed to say a black woman who has been asked that question about 10,000 times in her life, that's the, a lot of my mission is to intercept that and to say, okay, uh, uh, let me take some of those early questions. Let me kind of bring somebody into this field, into this circle. Um, because it's, I, I've heard this expressed so many different times from so many different people. It's, it's exhausting at best and it, and it's triggering and traumatizing at worst. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. And like, sometimes I think even from the perspective of feel real and your platform is, you know, obviously what's happening now in, in terms of COVID, simply COVID, right? It's horrible. People are dying and it's a disease and we have, uh, this uh, this uh, enemy that we are all fighting against, right? Um, and and I'm thinking that we are just dealing with so many issues that having platform like this and being able to gather without seeing each other because they are so intense because they are so deep. They're, the wounds are so deep and 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 the generational trauma, the anger. Like I understand all of that because. Uh, because like we even started the, our conversation right with with childhood experience, and then you mentioned your aggression coming from eighth grade experience of moving, being bullied, right? And th- and I'm always thinking, you know, in the perspective of of uh, black community of these generations of generations of generations of pain we we are addressing now. So sometimes I um, honestly, and I hope it doesn't sound bad, but I, I feel like I'm glad we are separated and I'm glad we have a platform like yours that we can still meet in a safe space and not go to each other's throats because we, I feel that the pain and the anger is so great that, you know, it could happen, you know, it, 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 uh, so, so maybe it's good that we are kind of, <laughs> the earth separated us <laughs> in some way to maybe bring us together, you know? And, and a platform like your, yours guys are so, so important now, because like I said, I feel like it's all about having those conversations, tough conversations and learning how to have them, right? And how to um, understand each other better. Yeah, and, and I, I do believe all roads lead to healing trauma. Um, and I, I want to be careful to say I don't think all mental health can be resolved in the in a circle no. by any means. No. And at the same time, I I think we tend to over therapize and over pathologize a lot of things that actually could be addressed in the spirit of a circle and and in the spirit of being in community and being in relationship together. Yeah. So so we're in that over medicate, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> all of it. Yeah, all of it. So, you know, we're occupying that middle space of saying, well, let's do what we can in circle. And then and then, of yeah. course, we have relationships with with, you know, therapy oh, communities yeah. and all sorts of other um, healers, you know. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Such a good conversation. I feel like we could talk and talk and talk. It's such a, it's such a um, amazing subject and, and what you guys doing and, and all your work. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for um uh, for joining me here and sharing your stories and, and what you are doing. Um, I am going to stop recording now. Thank you, Andy, so much for this insightful conversation. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I feel like it's such a simple concept. Uh, and, you know, all this conversation with Andy actually started making me feel, uh, think about the idea that we should really start teaching uh, holding 
circles and holding kind of idea of how to hold meeting uh, or group setting even at school you know from the early early age we should it's, it's a skill it's an incredible skill and incredibly important skill so just that's just the last thought after this conversation last inspiration again i hope you enjoyed it and until the next time love and light <laughs>